You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Andrew Marchand has an interesting piece in New York Post that came out the other day about how the sports world should break up with Twitter. Andrew Marchand, of course, is New York Post's sports media critic. And Elon Musk's haphazard, chaotic, hectic, some would say disastrous Twitter takeover has been a main story for the last few weeks. $44 billion, and he seems to be running it into the ground. Say what you want about Elon Musk, and obviously he's a brilliant guy with SpaceX and Tesla and all the rest, but he seems like an awful, awful manager. Firing people in the middle of the night, hardcore Twitter, long and intensive hours, programmers sleeping on the floor, mass layoffs that you receive an email at 3 a.m. Pacific time telling you you've lost your job. Just like that. I mean, laying someone off is one of the most traumatic things that can happen to somebody. And Elon Musk just discards people like they're objects. And I don't care how much you worship wealth. I don't care how much you worship his anti-establishment stance. Uh, That's a lousy way to treat people. And I don't see how anybody could applaud that. And besides the point, his ideas so far have been terrible. The... Twitter verification system where you just pay $8 to be verified. They had to pull that very, very quickly, and now they're reprogramming it, reconfiguring it, if you will, because, well, we had a million parody accounts pop up. We had LeBron James request a trade from the Lakers. (laughs) We had pretty much every star athlete have fake Twitter accounts requesting trades, sports insiders, fake accounts reporting fake news. This continued through politics, pop culture, you know, global issues, brands, of course, Eli Lilly, my favorite, saying they were making insulin free, and they had to tweet an apology, not for the fact that they price gouged people with insulin, but for the fact that there was a tweet that said insulin would be free. No, no, it would not be free. So it's been a disaster. Um, but the question is, how will the sports world react? And how does, Musters, how does Elon Musk's takeover factor into it? And first of all, let me just say that Generally, generally speaking, how valuable is Twitter to the pro sports ecosystem, if you will? Uh, it might not be as valuable as you think. Mark Cuban said this in a Washington Post article that came out earlier this month about Musk's Twitter takeover and how it would affect pro sports and teams and how they interact on the platform. Cuban said, quote, our biggest base is younger fans. They aren't on Twitter. Our most lucrative base watches linear TV and buys tickets. The vast majority are not on Twitter. 
And that's true. The NBA, for example, its largest fan base, as Cuban says, younger people. And how do they consume the league? They consume the league on TikTok. They're on Instagram. They're not necessarily on Twitter. And as Cuban said, where does the NBA and all these other sports leagues make their money? They make their money with people buying tickets and going to games. They make money with people watching on linear TV. The more people watch, the higher the ratings are, and the higher the networks can charge for advertising, and thus the more the networks can pay the leagues to broadcast their games. It's quite simple. I'm no math guy, but even I understand that. And Twitter doesn't really factor into that at all. And it also lends the question, once they roll out this revamped Twitter blue and you do have to pay $8 for verification. And my prediction always has been that Elon Musk and his programmers are going to make you pay $8 for Twitter verification if you want your tweets to be seen. And Musk actually said this, I think a couple weeks ago on some sort of call, where he basically said that if you don't have a verified Twitter account, once this gets rolled out, your tweets will basically just go straight to the spam folder. Nobody will see what you're tweeting. So if you're anybody who's anybody and you're a public figure and you want to promote your work or you want to promote yourself or you want to even interact with people, you're going to have to pony up the $8 a month to get verified in this revamped Twitter blue. So the question is, will athletes on Twitter want to pay $8 per month to become verified? Obviously, that's a very small cost in the grand scheme of things, but I'm not sure if all of them will because most big athletes don't have their largest followings on Twitter. Their largest followings are on Instagram. I mean, that's true across the board. You look at LeBron, even Kyrie Irving a couple weeks ago talking about the anti-Semitic film that he was promoting on Twitter. Yeah, he has 4.6 million Twitter followers, but I want to say seven-something million Instagram followers. I mean, way more. And every athlete, Tom Brady, I mean, every major sports figure has way more followers on Instagram than they have on Twitter. That's true with most celebrities as well. And there's been a number of pieces written about this in recent years, about how a lot of celebrities uh, really don't bother Twitter much anymore. It's viewed as a very high-risk, low-reward platform because whatever you tweet, there's no real guarantee that it's going to correlate to dollars. And... As we know, it's a platform where everybody is just waiting to jump down your throat. It's a very toxic atmosphere, and that was before Elon Musk took over. Instagram is a much friendlier place. TikTok is a much friendlier place. Even Facebook, I think, for some celebrities, you know, their demographic of fans is obviously dependent on this, but Facebook can even be a better driver, and certainly, certainly in terms of online traffic, Facebook is a much bigger driver. That's true for news organizations. And that's where I want to lead into next here. Sports media, Twitter. Well, first, let me just say one one area where Twitter is useful to sports fans and one way in which it has changed how we consume sports is the fact that we see a lot of highlights now on Twitter and fans are also tweeting in real time. Sports writers are tweeting in real time. And if you're a sports fan, your timeline is filled with all these sports people. You open up during a big game and you see the highlights, you see the real time commentary and that's enjoyable. And it's second nature now. It's been second nature for me for a decade at this point. Big game is on the TV. 
Twitter is open. I'm scrolling through as I'm watching the game, and it does add to my enjoyment of the game, and it definitely adds to how I think about the game and what I know about the game, because amazingly, I'm watching the game just like everybody else, but other people are able to glean insights that I'm not. But the question is, if they change the algorithms so we see less real-time tweets and more advertisements and more tweets from big accounts from several hours ago that still appear on our timelines as if they're new. I've noticed this has been happening more and more. Uh, if, the if the algorithms change, Twitter could become much less convenient and less easy to operate in the middle of a big game, and then we'll see how that shifts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But in terms of how sports media will interact with Twitter going forward, and to go back to Andrew Marchand's column about how sports media should break up with Twitter, um, you know, I think, number one, it would lessen groupthink because you wouldn't automatically know what everybody else is thinking. And that's true for all verticals of media, not just sports media. But for sports media, that'd be a great thing as well. And I'm just not talking about game commentary, like, oh, should that coach have gone for it on fourth down? But I'm talking about how these big issues are parsed out. We see groupthink on all levels when it comes to labor negotiations, when it comes to how teams handle uh, public relations issues, when it comes to the intersection of social and cultural issues in sports. We see a real groupthink atmosphere on Twitter. A lot of it is very, very left-wing. I think that uh, we had on Derek Thompson a few weeks ago from the uh, Daily Beast, and he made a great point talking about Dave Portnoy and about how, uh, you know, Dave Portnoy and the Twitter discourse and Barstool and really the point about how, you know, the left-wing discourse has really won the day. You know, the way that we talk about head injuries in football, labor negotiations, everything else, I mean, that war is already won. And I think a lot of that is attributed to the group think that we see on Twitter and the most powerful voices in sports media and the opinions that they continually push out there. If we see less of that, again, we'll see less group think, we'll see more diversity of thought. And overall, that's a good thing. But, you know, in terms of Twitter's value to publishers, the worst kept secret in the industry and Elon Musk got owned, actually, I think last week when he tweeted that Twitter by far drives the most traffic to websites. That is not true at all. Not in the least. The worst kept secret in media, one of the worst kept secrets in media, is that Twitter does not result in page views. In fact, it's horrible. Horrible. It drives about the same amount of traffic to websites as Pinterest. Facebook remains the monster. Here are the numbers. Facebook accounts for 74.13% of web traffic referrals from social media. These numbers are from January 2022. 74.13% comes from Facebook. Facebook is a monster. And we all crap on Facebook for being boomer paradise. Nobody under their age of 45 or 50 posts regularly on there. Well, 
They may not post regularly, but they click regularly. 74.13% of web traffic referrals from social media originate from Facebook. So Facebook remains the monster. And then Twitter, which Elon Musk again said is the biggest click driver in the internet by far, not even close. Twitter is at 7.73%. Pinterest, 7.65%. As I mentioned, you have Instagram at 4.5%, YouTube at 3.8%, and then Reddit, Tumblr, LinkedIn are way at the bottom around 1% or, or lower. But I mean, right there, you talk about how Twitter is viewed by a lot of publicists as very high risk, low reward. Same thing with, uh, in terms of driving web traffic, potentially high risk. Let's say you send out a tweet that is misunderstood. People then pile on you. We'll see how the moderation rules change with Elon Musk. But if they get looser, the vitriol could become even nastier. And for what gain? For 7.73% of web traffic? No, no. We'll, 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 we'll sacrifice the 7% of web traffic for, our, for the sake of our mental sanity. That, I think, is what more and more people may come around to. So Elon must take over Twitter. It's, uh, you know, Twitter is it's, it's disproportionately uh, used by reporters, journalists, newsmakers, politicians. So it has a disproportionate impact in our public discourse, but as this horrible takeover continues, and frankly, this botched takeover continues, I think more and more people, more and more industries will find that, oh, the risk, not really worth the reward here, and I think the sports media industry is chief among them. But what is definitely rewarding is talking to John Tomasi now at NBC Sports Boston. So without any further ado, that conversation is coming up on the other side of this break. I talked with Tomasi about the Red Sox offseason approach and how Hein Bloom and members of the front office are selling it to the fan base and whether or not their sales pitch is effective or genuine. Uh, no one know, just as a teaser. We talk a little about Jalen Brown and his continued vehement defense of Kyrie Irving and how that's playing in terms of perception. And the Patriots, LaShawn McCoy this week, a longtime Belichick hater, criticized him again, saying that Bill Belichick without Tom Brady is not a great coach. In fact, he's much more in line with Marvin Lewis or Rex Ryan. Ooh, harsh but true. And if the Patriots continue to middle along in the second half of the season, do all of us owe the LaShawn McCoys and Bart Scotts and the Belichick haters, do we owe them an apology for maybe being right about the hoodie? That's coming up on the other side with Tomasi. It's a sports media mayhem. Thank you, as always, for listening.